You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one, Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Say good morning. Our Peacock streaming partner, those listening on radio, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, in nearly 400 cities around America and growing. Thank you. Poll question, play of the day, stat of the day, all of that forthcoming NFL owners meetings. We'll take a peek into what is being discussed and doesn't seem like much is coming out of the Washington football team investigation, but uh, maybe Deshaun Watson could be traded by next Tuesday. I don't think so. I know that it feels like front burner, but we'll talk to the great Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated. He's at the owners' meetings about that possibility of Deshaun Watson being traded. Also, a little later on, we'll talk to Big Poppy. He'll uh, recap what happened in baseball last night. Phone calls are always welcome, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle is at dpshow. Uh, baseball isn't just about talent. It's about timing as well. The Braves won only 88 regular season games, but they made some key personnel moves, and their guys got hot at the right time. And they're a different team since the trade deadline, a very confident team, even though they didn't have a dominant regular season. And last night, they opened the World Series with a pretty strong statement, even though my guy, Charlie Morton, broke his leg leaving early, and Atlanta beat Houston 6-2. to Whatever this team was back in June doesn't matter now. It's a potent lineup. And bullpen is peaking. Early home run set the tone. Bullpen terrific, holding the Astros down for over six innings. And I know it's one game, and the Astros have no reason to panic. They've shown an innate ability to come back strong from losses. But any thought that Houston is a decided favorite probably vanished after a very impressive performance by the Braves in game one. Sometimes it's just a feel that you have with a team. Sometimes that team peaking at the right time. And I think you see this with the Braves, whether they're going to be reminiscent of Oral Hershiser and the Dodgers back in 1988. You know, Oral was so brilliant back then. The Braves don't have that number one guy. Well, most teams don't have a number one guy anymore. But timely hitting, guys that you don't expect to step up, and that's what happens. And then it gets contagious. And now you have Charlie Morton, who got hit in the uh, leg and uh, he stayed in to strike out Jose Altuve. He got hit by a 102-mile-an-hour uh, liner, a comebacker, and broke his leg, fractured his leg, stayed in, wanted to stay in. That's where you get legendary status. Now, we've seen this before. It's like if Kirk Gibson hits the home run and the Dodgers don't win the World Series, it's a footnote. It was game one of 1988. Terrell Owens played in the Super Bowl and played brilliantly with a fractured leg. What if the Eagles had won that? Jack Youngblood of the Rams played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg, but they didn't win. It's when you win, Kurt Schilling, bloody sock. If they don't win, all right, man, he's a gamer. He, you know, he pitched through pain. It's a nice story. When you win, that's when you get elevated to legendary status. If you didn't know Charlie Morton, you do now because he went out there with a broken leg and still wanted to continue to pitch. Here is his manager after the performance, Brian Snitker. 
He wanted to keep going because he was down in the tunnel and he was thrown against the wall and it said, you know, it's just kind of hurts more when I run. I feel good when I throw. I mean, just the fact that he wanted to keep going. That's Charlie. I mean, he, he wants to be on this stage and God bless him. It's, it's I hate it for him. Really hate it for him. He's such a great person. Great person and teammate. And I just, I, I do. I really hate it for him because I know he was really looking forward to this run with us. He kept saying after the game, when people came up, asked him how he was doing, he goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But he still wanted to go out there and pitch. And I said this a couple of weeks ago. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch because he pitches. He doesn't throw. He pitches. And he's 37 years of age, and he's been around. He's got good postseason success. But uh, I'm watching, and I'm, you know, people are responding, and they're texting me, your boy's on the mound, Charlie Morton. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I think he just broke his leg. And then I'm like, well, he can't be pitching if he still has a broken leg. And then he struck out Altuve, and I'm like, yeah. And then he had that follow through, and it was like, oh, boy. He's in trouble there. Braves-Astros game two coming up tonight. By the way, the uh, Jeopardy champ, Matt Amodio, he's uh, third on the all-time list as far as consecutive wins. He'll join us in studio and... I ask him, you pick a category, Matt. You know, Mr. Jeopardy champ here. I barely got my communications degree in college. He's doing something at Yale right now with a PhD and something, something, something. But uh, he said baseball. So we have some baseball questions for Mr. Jeopardy. He'll join us coming up in studio here in the Man Cave next hour. Big Poppy will join us in the final hour of the program. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. McLovin, what kind of poll question do you have for us today? What do you think the hardest postseason to predict is? Major League Baseball, NFL, or Nat- NBA? Like when this, the, this postseason starts and you have to pick a winner, which do you find the most challenging? I would say baseball. Why is that? No one had the Braves. It's just, it, it's timing. It, it's it's when your pitcher performs or their pitcher doesn't or you get in a moment and somebody comes up with a big hit or doesn't. It, it, it's weird how, you know, you talk about momentum. Plus, you get five games or seven games, whereas in, you know, football, you get one. It's one and done. Basketball, you'll get, you know, seven games. But in baseball, it feels like that momentum can shift back and forth. And it's not necessarily about home field or home court advantage. Super, Super Bowl's played on a neutral site. So when we get to the Super Bowl, I always feel like we have a better handle on who's going to win. But as far as when it starts, you're not quite sure. Because it wasn't that long ago we thought Jacksonville was going to the Super Bowl. It wasn't that long ago that we thought the Texans were going to knock off the Chiefs. Or the Titans were going to knock off the Chiefs. Or that Tampa was probably dead after 12 games last year at a 7-5 and record. Right? You know, that this is what happens. Go back to when the Packers won the Super Bowl. They got hot late, wild card team. You win a Super Bowl. The Giants, Eli, you know, they were wild card teams, I believe. Barely got in the playoffs. Ended up beating Tom Brady and the Patriots. It's just, it's it. momentum is tricky. And, and you, you know, we try to define it, explain it, and it's not that easy to do. What else do we have? Okay, uh, this might dip into saber metrics, but would you rather have the best bullpen in Major League Baseball or a group of very good starters in today's game? I would have a really good bullpen. Feels that way, huh? Yeah, because we're only asking starters to go four innings. 
I mean, if you go five, it's like that's a Herculean task. Like, oh, my God, he went five innings. Is that smart, though? Uh, look, I've railed against analytics because I think part of what you do as a manager is a gut feeling. How many times does a manager say, you know, I just had a feeling? It wasn't about the percentages. I just had a feeling. I was sending somebody up in a situation. I was bringing somebody in. it. I just thought it was their moment. I love that. But I thought that that's what baseball used to be. It was just a feeling you had sometimes. You're around these players every single day. Instead of, um, let's see, he's thrown 15 pitches. I got to get him out of there. Well, wait, he's, he just struck out the sign. Yeah, I got to get him out of there. You, you talk yourself into things and out of things, I think, with those numbers. And I think that's where it gets dang- It gets robotic. And, and at times you go, wait, what are you doing? And sometimes a manager will just go, hey, the numbers said, okay, the numbers. Like, I like something that has a feel to it, personality to it, not a computer that's just going to spit out numbers and then somebody hands it to you and says, oh, you got to get that guy out of there. Why? Oh, you can't have him bat against him. Why? Well, the numbers say, okay. Yeah, Todd. And I don't know how it doesn't hurt the sport. I know you got to change with the times, but I just remember the big pitching matchup that you got to tune in for. You're thinking about going to an upcoming game. And it's like, I want to see that pitcher against that pitcher. And no matter how great they pitch, if in the back of your mind, you know, they're going to be pulled after three or four innings or a certain number of pitches. I think that's terrible for the sport. Yeah, but there's nothing you can do. Analytics is taking over. Guys like you who graduated second in their class are taking over baseball. Horrible, Guys like McLovin thing. who went to Dartmouth, you know, they're taking over the game. Less C students are involved in the game. And I think that's the problem, back row. Yes, Tom, or yes, McLevin. I'll tell you why there is an argument to be made for analytics. Look at self-driving cars. Now, that's going to sound weird. But self-driving cars feel dangerous because, you, you know, there's no driver behind the wheel. But statistically, they're 50 times safer than having some teenager texting on their phone on I-95 South going 90 miles an hour. They are actually safer by following the numbers. It's better to go by the numbers than by gut feel. Like a manager, by the way, these managers, who are they? Who is these managers? Like, how do we know their gut feel isn't absolutely wrong? There's nothing accurate about gut feel. Okay, but it feels like, has analytics, has it made it more appealing, aesthetically appealing? Oh, absolutely not. Okay, that's the point I'm trying to make, right. is analytics, because of that, it, it's made it robotic, and that there is no, you know, this is what you need to do. I remember when you were talking about Adam Dunn forever. It's like, Adam oh, yeah. Dunn's an awesome player. I go, no, he's not. Oh, man, he gets on base, and, uh, you know, his, his war and all that. I said, he's not a great, he's not a good baseball player. He's a baseball player. Well, our next, our upcoming guest, Big Poppy, the reason the Red Sox got him, they saw that he had a huge on-base percentage and a bad average and said, like, wait a second, there's something there that we're not seeing. He a also, walk should count as a hit. He also hit a lot of home runs, timely home runs. That he, helps. But I, I remember What's reading... What's the Ber- analytics on that? Berducci said that was a pure analytics play by the Red Sox to, to steal I, Big Poppy from Minnesota. I, but he underachieved with Minnesota. And for whatever reason, he turned out to be great in Boston. Okay, so we got to be careful when we say, oh, they saw something that Minnesota didn't see. I mean. Well, they saw something in the numbers. I mean, like, look at all the analytics guys, teams are winning. The Dodgers, the Rays, the Astros. These are all analytics heavy teams. Well, everybody's analytics now. Actually, I could name all the teams. but But if everybody is analytics, doesn't it cancel out analytics? Possibly. Because I would know what you're doing. 
Yes. By, based off my sheet. Yes. So my analytics say you're going to do that. Therefore, do I change my analytics? That's advanced analytics. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm sure that's a real factor that you have to swerve away. Yes. Eden. But a lot of times they show a real inability to adjust, even knowing what's about to happen. Like take in baseball, the sh- uh, everybody knows certain players yeah. are going to be played with a shift mm-hmm. and they leave one whole side of the field open. <laughs> All you have to do is poke it the other way and you'll get a triple. I know. And batters still can't do that. Yeah, I can't figure that out. Like, what's the analytics of putting the ball in play the other way? How about a bunt? Maybe just hit the ball to the left side of the infield where there is nobody. But the analytics say, nope, you got to swing away. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It feels like football is still gut feeling where analytics haven't taken over. There's, there's, we did a, a thing years ago. In overtime, analytics say you should kick the ball off because the other team, it's unlikely they're going to go 75 yards for a touchdown. The odds are against it. Mm. But everyone takes the ball on a kickoff. Yeah. They always do in overtime. By the way, this program brought to you by the Breeders' Cup from every corner of the globe. They come to the Breeders' Cup, the best thoroughbreds from around the world. One goal in mind, the title of world champion. Visit breederscup.com slash 2021 for more information. Catch all the action November 5th and 6th only on NBC Sports. All right, we'll talk about the possibility Deshaun Watson is traded by next Tuesday. That's the trade deadline. Albert Breer will join us. I guess there's nothing to see with the Washington football team investigation. As I've said many times, according to my source, who's involved in this, the cover-up is worse than the crime. And this is about owners protecting owners or the commissioner protecting owners. That's what this is about, from what I'm told. And, you know, Roger Goodell's job is to basically take the slings and arrows. Yesterday's job was to just say, hey, nothing to see here, and we move on. Everything, it's almost like weekly. When there's a controversy, and then it moves on. and th- Because there's something else that comes up. The commissioner just did his job yesterday. My job is to protect the owners, sometimes from themselves. We'll talk about Mike Tomlin's press conference yesterday, and you were forewarned. Not only you, the audience, but you and the media. You were forewarned. Mike Tomlin never put his name on this list. Never. Carson Palmer put his name on the list. And Mike Tomlin reacted accordingly. No one ever said on this show, and it was never inferred, implied, suggested that Mike Tomlin should take that job. We looked at the possibility. Why would he? It's a dream list. They have probably 30 names on that list, and they'll have some names that you would probably be surprised at. Okay? And, and we'll play those comments from Mike Tomlin on what he said. Now, do I think he went overboard? A little bit. Yeah. I, I like that he was demonstrative. I like that he didn't leave any wiggle room there. And I hope he stays there. And yes, it's a great job. It'd be hard to leave Pittsburgh. But I don't know Mike Tomlin. What makes him tick? There's certain guys who are college coaches at heart. Maybe they're tired of the NFL. Maybe it's location, lifestyle. I don't know. But when Carson Palmer is part of the search committee, then I got to listen to him. Was I surprised? Yes, you could hear it in my voice. Am I surprised what Mike Tomlin said yesterday? Not at all. He should stay with Pittsburgh. They don't fire coaches. 
Now he's got to find a quarterback for next year, and you might be the third, fourth best team in your own division, but hey, that's up to Mike Tomlin. So we'll play that sound. I'll give you more thoughts on that. And as I mentioned yesterday, there are a couple of guys that I heard yesterday are on that list. Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator with Dallas. Just saying. There's a lot of names. That doesn't mean Kellen Moore wants to coach USC. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't mean he wants to. But USC has a wish list. That's it. All right, 17 after the hour. We'll get phone calls coming up. Albert Breer joins us from the owners' meetings on the topic of Mike Tomlin and also Deshaun Watson. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. It's amazing. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? Even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of the places in the United States taking credit cards will take Discover. So when we go to the Radio Hall of Fame and then we go for drinks afterwards and I, of course, have to pick up the tab, I'll be using my Discover credit card. And I'll hear the word yes more often. Learn more. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report Limitations Apply. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Play of the day, stat of the day, poll question, all of that forthcoming. Braves are the first team in World Series history to have all nine starters record at least one hit in game one. All right. A couple of items here before we get to Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback. There's a lot of talk about what's going on with Deshaun Watson. As I've said the last couple of weeks, from what I'm told, that if a team trades for Deshaun Watson, he will not be suspended when that team picks him up. Now, the reason why I said if I'm the Miami Dolphins and I know that Stephen Ross wants Deshaun Watson, I can't make that deal until I know from the commissioner, give me a sense of when you will rule on this, because I do think Deshaun Watson will eventually be suspended, maybe upwards of eight games. But also the bigger issue is, if I'm Steven Ross and the Dolphins, I need to know um, from Deshaun Watson or his agent, are you going to settle this? Like, we'll make, we'll make the trade, but will you settle this? Because if you do, then we'll give up these first-round picks and whatever else, what other compensation here. Until then, we can't make that trade. So the trade deadline is six days from now. I don't know if you can settle 22 lawsuits in that time frame. That's why I don't think that this deal is front burner is going to happen. I know that the Dolphins, and I've said this for six weeks, five weeks now, that they were interested in Deshaun Watson. Carolina reportedly back in the picture. I have not heard that. I only heard from somebody who knows Stephen Ross. But the framework is there. But that's not the hard part. The hard part is the legal framework with this. Uh, the other part, Mike Tomlin was uh, very, very demonstrative in saying that he was not interested in the USC job. I'll play that for you, give you uh, some of my thoughts, then we'll bring in Albert Breer. Here's the Steeler head coach on uh, what Carson Palmer said on our show on Monday, that a wild card for USC would be Mike Tomlin. Hey, guys, I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Um, I got one of the best jobs in, in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? That'll be the last time that I address it. And not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay? 
anybody else got any questions about any college jobs, there's not a booster with a big enough blank check. Thank you. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? Anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? Okay. There are probably five at five points in that he should have stopped. And, and he got his message out loud and clear. It's only a 29-second answer there by him. But it certainly was authoritative, demonstrative, no wiggle room there whatsoever. What Mike Tomlin should understand is this is just a wish list. Like, it's a compliment. And he should view it as a compliment. The, the USC is going pie in the sky. Let's put all the names out there. And that's what Carson Palmer... Carson Palmer is part of, you know, the committee looking into finding the next head coach at USC. That's all. And they probably say, hey, what about? Hey, do you think that's what happened? Mike Tomlin's name was just put on the list. I don't know if he, you know, he didn't broach the topic with USC. And they probably haven't talked to him either, as you could tell. But then you bring in Andy Reid or Sean Payton. That's where he loses me. because. Andy Reid's name wasn't brought up by Carson Palmer. Sean Payton wasn't brought up by Carson Palmer. Mike Tomlin was. If Sean Payton's name was brought up, then we would have asked him about it. Andy Reid's name's not going to come up. Andy Reid's not. He's, he, he's going to stay with Kansas City and retire with Kansas City. Bill Belichick's name didn't come up. Uh, I don't know why he brought up those two names. Sean Payton, Sean Payton was up for a couple of jobs before. He's been linked to college jobs before. USC, Sean Payton was asked about Michigan. Michigan had an opening in 2014. The media asked Sean Payton about it. We're not going to back away or shy away from this. And I even said, somebody's going to ask Mike Tomlin about this. I said this yesterday on the show. That's all. You know, and he should view it as a compliment. Not like... Demotion. Oh, what's going on in Pittsburgh? You know, maybe you should coach USC. Uh, look, he's got to find a new quarterback next year. He's still young. Hope he stays there. I, I warned everybody yesterday because everybody was going to run with this. And I said, look, Mike's going to deny this. Rightfully so. He's got a great job. I don't know what his interests are, but you don't leave Pittsburgh for USC. You just don't. But. Mike Tomlin made it official that uh, he doesn't want to be on that list and uh, probably didn't look at it as a compliment. But he should, in my opinion. Albert Breer joins us on the program. Of course, senior NFL reporter for the Monday Morning Quarterback. Uh, how big a topic uh, was Mike Tomlin at the owners' meeting? <laughs> I mean, it was interesting hearing it. You guys really kicked the hornet's nest there, I guess. Um, I, you know, like what's interesting about it, though, to me, Dan, and I, and I think that there's a there's rhyme and reason behind this. Um, I, I don't think people realize Mike Tomlin now has been in Pittsburgh for as long as Bill Cowher was. And it seems like that's flown by, but it's true. He's at 15 years. That's how long Cowher was there. And so, you know, I think that there's just a natural thing where people are going to start asking the question, is there going to be a next phase of his career? which I'm sure is how the thought came up with the USC people. And I can tell you, I can tell you that, like, when I was asking around a couple weeks ago about the Raiders job um, after John Gruden resigned, there were, like, would the Raiders 
load up and make a huge run at Mike Tomlin to restore their credibility. And it actually makes some sense, right? Like, cause you think how long these guys generally stay in these jobs. And I mean, 15 years is a long time. So um, I understand like why Tomlin had to do what he did and why he had to say what he said. Um, but like, I think, you know, it's just at a natural point now where he's been there for 15 years the quarterback's probably going to be gone after next year. There are big questions going forward. If you're another team or like one of these big time college programs, and you and I both know there are a handful of them that are as good as any NFL job, you know, no matter how NFL coaches want to talk about, there are a number of those that have as many pluses as NFL jobs do. Um, There's, I I mean, you'd be doing yourself a disservice not to ask those questions when you're talking about your job. Doesn't mean it's going to progress anywhere. But if you're not thinking of ideas like that, if you're one of those programs or one of those NFL teams that have openings, then you're not doing your job. You should be asking those questions. Again, doesn't mean he has any interest. Doesn't mean it goes anywhere. But that's the way a program like USC should be thinking. Yeah, and, you know, when he says, you know, there's not a blank check big enough by a booster, well, there probably is. He makes $8 million with his Steelers. And if somebody really wanted him, then they could, you know, give him – 12 15 million dollars a year if they wanted to but look i would never leave the steelers uh if but i don't know mike tomlin so i don't know what what drives him but he shouldn't be offended and he shouldn't bring sean payton and andy Reid into the equation because carson palmer didn't mention those coaches there right right i mean it's like i said like i think it was sort of taken as like it was it's like a like a game of telephone right like it's like it like starts as one thing and then by the time it gets to the other party it's something else entirely yeah and i mean it almost sounded like by the time it got got to tomlin it went from usc would has discussed this as like kind of a concept or an idea to mike tomlin could actually do this <laughs> you know what i mean like and it kind of like felt like that's how he received the message which i mean i think is I mean, that, that, that's the explanation to why he would take offense to it. Um, I can't imagine his name being on a list and like, hey, let's just take a swing at this and see what happens. I, I don't know why that would be all that offensive at all. Yeah, you know, James Franklin's name for USC and LSU. Now, that to me is legitimate. Mike Tomlin, I don't think he has yeah. any interest in doing that. All right, uh, I kind of gave the framework for what I'm told on Deshaun Watson that – we knew that they yeah. could come up with the framework for the trade itself. It's the legal framework. What, right. do you, what do you think the chances are that Watson is traded by next Tuesday? Well, so Miami's been in contact with him. Carolina actually talked to him this week for the first time in a couple of months. Um, and I, I, like, I think Carolina is sort of still monitoring it. Um, Denver and Philly have been monitoring it. They're less involved right now. So, um, yeah, I think for everybody, it's the same thing. It's, like what's going to happen with this league situation. And, you know, I, it's interesting because like the way you laid it out, right. Like, and it's true. If like, and I no reason to doubt John McClain, but if, you know, the owner in Miami who I've been told has some trepidation over the idea of this, um, if the owner in Miami is saying we need this thing settled and we need clarity on what's going to happen legally and with the league yeah. you know, over the next six days, I mean, Dan, how much leverage would that give? I mean, like, like Watson would not be able to do a, like any. Like, like, and I don't want to like, I don't want to diminish the accusations or anything. But how much leverage would that give the accusers? You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I mean, like, I just no. I don't see a scenario where everything gets settled in the next six days. You know what I mean? Like, it just it just seems unrealistic to me. And 
I, like, it's just it, it, Watson's come this far and not wanted to settle those cases. Like, would the would be being would being on the precipice of a trade push him to do a deal that he's you know I, I mean basically refused to do over the course of the last six months? It seems unrealistic. Yeah, you bring up a great point. I didn't think of that. If I'm one of the accusers and and he's traded. Uh, you know, are you going to you know, now it feels like we have more leverage on you for you to settle right. and on our terms as opposed to yours. But, you know, if I'm Stephen Ross, will the, will the commissioner tell him what the punishment's going to be? And if I'm Stephen Ross, can I ask Deshaun Watson to settle these cases and then I'll make the trade for you? And I mean, yeah, you can. <laughs> I, I think the, the hard thing, again, is like the league has been despite what Roger said yesterday, the league has been very vague with the teams about what would happen if he was traded and, um, you know, what would happen if they put him back on the field and how a suspension would work. And I think the league has been intentionally vague on that, Dan. I think the reason why they've been intentionally is because I think they've got the situation right now where they want it, where they don't have to act because he's not on the field. And the Texans are essentially doing the league a solid because, Again, the league doesn't have to act, but he's not in the public eye. And so this doesn't get discussed on the Sunday morning shows. This isn't a weekly topic. There are protesters outside of a stadium. If he gets traded and goes back on the field, the dynamic changes altogether. And so, you know, I think that piece of it, I, I, that piece of it is, a, I, I know when, for, for some teams that were involved, has like cooled some interest there. And, um, and yeah, I mean, like, I just, it's just really, really hard for me to see where, there's going to be a whole lot more clarity legally or from the league in the next six days. The uh, Washington football team, that investigation, the commissioner basically saying there's nothing to see here. Let's move on. Um, it, you know, how does this go to the next step where they actually have some of this investigation revealed publicly? I mean, I, I like the history tells us it's not going to be revealed. I mean, like I, I hate, you know, I, I, like I, my, my experience here has sort of taught me to be a skeptic, Dan. I mean, like, and you can look at it, look at the history, right? Like, so Tom Brady deflated football's 250 page report. You can Google it. It's right there on the internet. Um, you know, which incognito bullying and the lot. I mean, like basically a middle, middle school situation, right? And I mean, like 150 page report, federal investigators conducting these reports. You can find them on the internet. Ray Rice, the domestic violence. Um, situation that was obviously way more serious than incognito or Brady, but that had a hundred page report, uh, you know, and uh, like now try to find anything on Jerry Richardson, try to find anything coming from the league on Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft. Like it just doesn't happen, you know? And so I think this is the way the league's always conducted business when it comes to owners. And, you know, I think anything they've said about owners being held to a higher standard than players, you know, it rings hollow when you actually look at the facts. And my guess is, they're going to just keep kicking the can down the road and hoping that people lose interest in our story. Um, it's just, I mean, like, like I said, like, I think if you're another owner, like I would think that you would look at this and say, you need to at least like you know, have some transparency on this. And this is reflecting poorly on all of us. I think the issue is that no owner wants the precedent instead of, you know, the league being able to take anyone's team away. Yeah. Their owners have skeletons in their closet. And so, you know, I, I, I think this is probably going to remain where it is right now. Um, and nothing the commissioner said yesterday would change my mind on that. I know you have a busy day. Thanks for joining us on short notice, Albert. We appreciate it. 
You got it, Dan, anytime. That's Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback. He summed it up. He summed it up. You know, this is what's going to happen. Just move on, you know? His job is to protect the owners. He didn't care about John Gruden. He wants to protect the owners. And if you're trying to tell me that John Gruden and Bruce Allen, who was in the front office with the Washington football team, those are the only guys exchanging emails? Those are the only guys exchanging pictures of cheerleaders topless? Mm, Okay. All right. Yep, I'm supposed to believe that. Who knows who's corresponding? What they said in those emails. Yes. With all that said, it sure feels more personal than with uh, John Gruden. Yeah, somebody was out to get him. Yep. Somebody was out to get him and or the Raiders, and they did a great job. Like, I would just ask the commissioner, okay, who leaked this? Like, why are some reports available and some aren't? Remember when I asked the commissioner? I don't know if this was the last time he was on 10 years ago. Was that the last time the commissioner was on when I asked him about the uh, Spygate tapes? I can guarantee it was. It was okay. <laughs> and, and I said, why would you destroy them? He goes, well, you know, there was no reason. They didn't serve any purpose. Yeah, we watched them and uh, no valuable evidence on there, so we uh, destroyed them. Yeah. VH- VHSs are dead. Uh, it's all DVD yeah. these days. Yeah. Dan. You ever try to get the VHS and put it on a DVD? It's a nightmare, Dan. He just he has this ability to just feed you a steaming pile of dung <laughs> with the straightest of faces, and be and then be like, yeah, what's your problem? Like, yeah, of course I deleted the tapes. The whole world is like, what? Why? I know. We have to see what's on those tapes. He's I know. Like, no. Wouldn't you do this? Nothing just of value. For the archive, just for the history of the sport. Like, you know, he always talks about transparency, total transparency. Why not put this in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Like, let us, <laughs> let us, no, I'm being serious. I, I know you are, but it's that, it's that funny. Like, put one of the footballs that Tom deflated. You can, you can grab it. Yes, you can touch it. it. Yes. Yeah. Like, Aaron Rodgers overinflated his. Tom underinflated his. Okay. Spygate tapes. Let us see it. Get berated by Richie Incognito, make it like an event. Yes, yes. You can press a button and Richie Incognito yells at you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break. Play of the day up next. (laughs) (laughs) You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, my God. The play, the play of the day. Check this out. Hit well, deep left. That's going back. That ball is gone. One nothing Braves. And Jorge feels like busting loose. And that's how you start a World Series. That's courtesy of WCNN 680, the Fan Braves Radio Network. First time in World Series history. The first batter in game one led off with a home run. Play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by M Drive. Compete with younger guys. M-Drive, the supplement for driven men, supports healthy testosterone levels. Boost energy. Visit mdrivedan.com. Free shipping. 60-day guarantee. 
Don't let age beat you. Get M Drive. All right, McLovin, poll question we're going to stay with. I think we should put up, do you think Deshaun Watson will be traded by next Tuesday? I'm curious, what do you think the public thinks is going to happen here? Not you, but like, do, do you think there's an expectation out there that he'll get moved? Well, they would probably follow my lead yeah. if they're fans of the show and probably believe what I believe that Deshaun Watson, I just, there are too many legal hurdles, question marks, for this to happen. I mean, you'd really be taking a flyer on giving up three first-round picks, and you don't need Deshaun Watson this year. You're not any good. And then next year, he might be sitting down for eight games. I mean, that's the tricky part with all of this. Yeah, McLevin. Another question for the audience. Would you rather coach in the NFL or college? Because I don't think that's a done deal. I think a lot of people would rather be a college coach. Well, a high, high-end college coach. It depends on your personality. If you're a control freak, and they're all control freaks, varying degrees. Nick Saban's got to control everything. Urban Meyer's got to control everything. Joe Paterno, coach you know, at Penn State for such a long time, controlling everything. Steve Spurrier was great in college, not in the pros. It's, are you good at relationships? I think being a head coach in the NFL is, are you good at communicating with your players? Because they're completely different sports when you think about it. They're both football, but they're both completely different in the approach. Urban Meyer tried to be a college coach. And he's not a college. He's not able to bring that college mentality to the NFL. Yeah, McLovin. It was interesting. I thought Tomlin was saying there's less esteem with college coaches, but Nick Saban is universally um, considered one of the great coaches of any level, right? So I don't, I don't see it that way. Do you see college coaches as like a lesser job? Well, the college coach is more important. Like, they're, they're bigger names. Look at college basketball. Not about the players. Like, when you fill out your bracket, you go, oh, Jim Beheim's teams always, Tom Izzo's teams always. You don't know who those players are. Name three Duke players right now. Like, it's about the, it's about the coach in college. Yeah, McLovin. In the NBA, we have no idea who the coaches are for half the teams. It's the players. We know those names. Yeah. You know, it's just, I, I, I think when you're trying to handicap this, and, and I don't want this to be about Mike Tomlin. I mean, Mike Tomlin, you know, wants to worry about facing the Cleveland Browns. His name was just brought up as a wish list of, hey, let's, let's explore all of these names. That's all. But, you know, there are other coaches who are interested in this job and interested in LSU. James Franklin, from what I'm told, is interested in these jobs. And uh, I don't know if he's as focused on his current job as he should be. Are you committed to being the head coach here beyond this season? Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously I've been asked this, this question multiple times. And, uh, you know, my focus is, is completely on Illinois and this team uh, and this program. I think I've shown over my eight years my commitment to this university and, and this community. And that's, that's kind of my statement. Okay, I don't need to nitpick. I don't mean to nitpick, but you're playing Ohio State this weekend. Illinois was last weekend. And then he recovered and said this. Obviously, you know, we're, we're trying to be focused on Illinois and talking about Illinois as much as we possibly can. Once again, you play Ohio State. I'd leave, I'd leave the Illinois loss behind and, and move forward. He also said that uh, he looked forward to uh, facing Illinois in the big house which would be interesting because somebody should let Michigan know 
that Illinois and Penn State are going to play in the big house. Yeah, it's, they don't rent out the big house. I don't think they do. Well, maybe for a concert, but I don't One know. One of those hockey matches. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, McLovin. To be fair, the Illinois game was really, really long. I can see why. Oh. Yeah, nine overtimes, maybe yeah. it's still caught in your head. Yeah. I didn't feel like you were in the moment there, Coach. Yeah, Seaton. <laughs> Just... Just, just I, don't know, I don't know who's doing play-by-play for Ohio State, uh, Penn State, but welcome to the big... No, welcome no. to the horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Illinois Buckeyes facing Penn State. Yes, Tom. Is it possible he meant he's still focusing on what happened in that crazy Illinois game and how they can get past that and move forward and make up for whatever mistakes they made in that game? I don't know. I think I would be mentioning Ohio <laughs> State. I would want to move on from that game. Yeah, McClellan. The irony is he wasn't focused on Illinois at all. He was clearly game prepping for Ohio State the last two weeks. Yeah. And they slept walk into that game. Yeah. So we have Mike Tomlin when he answers the question. James Franklin, not so much. Two different ways to answer, you know, rumor and speculation. Yeah, you know, I'm just focused on Illinois. Uh, huh? Yeah, Paul. If I were Illinois football, though, I'd be worried. He, Coach Franklin's already focused on next year's game. Man. He's going to open up a can. Yeah. 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 This is where they're like, yeah, living rent free in your head. Still got it. <laughs> That's right, Tom or uh, Franklin. Yeah. And you have it on the same day as Mike Tomlin has his press conference. <laughs> He's like, this is a joke. Not instant. Yeah. Never which, say never. Never. Which one of these guys sounds like they're interested in the USC job? Uh, <laughs> who sounds like they're going to be with their current job next year? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying, just saying. Been asked this question many times. I'd like to direct you to my new agent I just hired yesterday. Just coincidental. Oh, I know. And when I was told that on Monday, I said, wait wait a minute. He hired Jimmy Sexton. What's that mean? Um, He's going to leverage the hell out of this with Penn State. And he's very influential in the SEC. I go, all right. Means a couple extra zeros added to the check. I already know where we're headed here. But... uh, I'm focused on, from, you know, as I told you uh, yesterday, uh, my source said that, you know, James Franklin's season is sort of teetering on the brink, according to my source, and some people at USC have cooled on him, whatever that means. This is such a long process, and that's why I hate bringing up names because I, I do want to be fair and, and be journalistically responsible, but when a name keeps coming up, and, and Carson Palmer is the one who brought up uh, Mike Tomlin. I, I didn't. I even asked my source. After Carson said that, I texted him. I said, Mike Tomlin, USC? He goes, I just heard him on your show. He goes, no, I haven't heard Mike Tomlin with USC. But that was it. Because I think everybody was surprised. that. But that's on the wish list. That's all. Doesn't mean it's based in reality. But if I'm Penn State and James Franklin, yeah, better beat Ohio State. You don't want to be the travel agent where you go, a coach wants us to go to the big house this weekend. We're facing Illinois. No, we're going to Columbus. We're facing the Ohio State. One more item. We close out hour one. Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. Rockauto.com. It's a family business founded by automotive engineers, and they did so in 1999. When I met with them, when we thought that they could be a potential sponsor of this program. I just wanted to find out a little bit more about them. And, uh, you know, these are automotive engineers who understand the business. 
And they said, look, we just wanted to give people access to all the information hidden in those computers and catalogs behind the parts store counter. And second, to make the parts affordable by offering reliably low prices. RockAuto.com will not only have the parts you need, but they'll give you a choice of brands, prices, features, and they'll send it right to your door. So that means you're not wasting time and money hunting for the parts, phoning, driving, waiting in lines. Go to rockauto.com today. Make sure you tell them that we sent you, right, Dan Patrick, in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that you listen to the program. All the parts your car or truck will ever need with the great folks at rockauto.com.